Good morning, and um, my name is Carrie, and as pastor of The Awakening, I always get thrilled to realize that we're part of something much bigger as a church, a movement of missions around the world and God working to change people's lives. And I uh, mentioned a few weeks ago, I want to mention again today that in a couple weeks, my wife Melissa and I, we will be in Nashville, Tennessee at what's called the General Council Meeting of the Christian Missionary Alliance. There'll be close to 3,000 people there, and uh, they will have a lot of the missionaries there that are back from home, uh, on home assignment. But there's going to be this big offering that's taken called the Great Commission uh, Fund Offering or uh, Great Commission Day Sunday Fund Offering, and uh, we want to participate in that. Some of you have already given to it, but the goal is to be able to help send out 40-some new missionary uh, individuals, such as what you just watched here on this video, and if you would like to give to help us take a big check to General Council in Nashville to be able to celebrate what God's doing, uh, you can simply do that online thing of awakening, te texting that word to 77977, and being able to give that directly uh, through that app or at the back tables. So that's what's up for it. We are looking forward to what God is going to continue to do through the Christian Missionary Alliance in the days ahead and through the Awakening Church. Uh, there's several new people here, and I do want to give my greeting as well. Uh, we're going to step into God's Word, and I'm very mindful in stepping into God's Word that you don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from God. You need to hear from His Holy Spirit, and that He would take His Word and apply it directly to your place and your position in life, wherever you're at. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, here this morning we do celebrate and worship you at the altar. We come to you with open hearts to receive your love. Lord, we acknowledge that you have been good in our life, even if this has been a challenging week or things have come into our life this week that make us sad. We know, God, that you sit on the throne today. Jesus, that you came to this earth, you lived, you died, you rose from the grave, you ascended to the heavens, then you sent your spirit back to dwell within us if we choose to be a follower of yours. And your spirit is here in our midst wherever two or three are gathered. But Lord, we acknowledge that uh, we need you in these moments to take your word, your written word, and apply it directly to our life. And so in that measure, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work its way across our hearts and our lives here this morning as we turn our attention to you. In your name, amen. It is true that we want in our DNA the missions aspect. We want uh, to be able to have an inclusion kind of ministry in our aspect. And I'm also mindful that inclusion includes people like me that's turning 60 in two weeks. And so I'll be away while I celebrate my birthday so you can thank me from afar that I'm still functioning at this level. But uh, I thought that we would uh, give a little bit of attention to those of us who uh, have a little bit, a little bit more time and years on our life. So um, I want to give the intro to this message by allowing you to chill out, kick back, and listen to something might be familiar to those of you who are 60 and above. Never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. There's no tenderness like grief in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it, but baby, baby, I know it. You lost and love me, 
many of you know the song? It was brought back by some other bands through the years. Have you ever lost that loving feeling? You know what I'm saying? That feeling of love and infatuation maybe, and then it was all of a sudden it just turned on a dime and it started to disappear. And it's like, where's that love and feeling going? Maybe it was in a relationship. Hopefully it's not in the relationship with your current spouse, but uh, I, I, maybe it was in a relationship you had. Maybe there was a, a loving feeling that was a part of your family, and maybe some things that happened to your family, and you're like, why can't we just all get along? Why is it so awkward when we have to show up at these family functions? We've lost that loving feeling. Maybe you were a part of a friends group and somehow you ended up on the outside looking in and you're going like, what, what was the deal with that? Where'd our love and feeling go for one another? Maybe it was a, even a workplace environment and it was a healthy environment and all of a sudden it just started to break down and now it's just a pain to go to work. Where's that love and feeling? Or could I ask this? Have you ever been a part of a church where there was some loving going on and in caring, and all of a sudden you came in one day and you started to realize that that song from the Righteous Brothers in 1964 might as well be one of the worship songs. Where have we lost that loving feeling at? One for another. You know, here's the challenge with that word love, right? We think in terms of love as a feeling. But really, scripturally, love is not a feeling. Love is a decision and an action. And there are feelings that come with our decisions and our actions, but the feelings may come and go. Scripturally, to be able to love other people is a decision that we make. And thankfully, and this is where I want to encourage you at today, it's not just a decision but it's a power that comes from God to extend to other people. Lost that love and feeling, and now it's gone, gone, gone. I want to encourage you to come circle back around and join with me as we step in to a study again today of the letter that John the Apostle wrote in his older years to some Christians and some others concerning their need to get back the love and feeling, but to get back to doing what God has called his followers to do. And if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, this will be spot and center. You know where this letter is going because we've been walking through it some, and it's going to be placed right there before us again today. But maybe you're here this morning and you're not quite sure about who Jesus is or what place God would have in your life. Well, it's important to understand what the Christian faith is all about. It's not about coming to church and the right do's and don'ts and all that kind of thing. It's about a relationship where the God of the universe who loves us and created us wants to live through us his light and his love for all people. And so in this study of 1 John, we've seen that John himself is trying to wake up some Christians in a church. And part of the problem in waking these Christians up in the church is that there's a sect of people that are influencing the church, believed to be known as Gnostics, who said they had some other kind of spiritualized 
faith or belief in Jesus. But that Jesus maybe wasn't really someone who came in the flesh and that there's this higher spiritual euphoric kind of language and understanding. And so there was corruption that was being added to the church, not only by maybe some of the dissonance of relationships one to another, but there was corruption in the very theology and the understanding of what truth is representing who Jesus is. And if you're considering where God would lead you in your life, or what it would mean to have a relationship with Jesus, then a letter like 1 John's for you as well. Because this causes us to wake up and have attention to this is what I'm being called to. This is what I'm being asked to do with my life. Lost that love and feeling. They had started to lose it, and he was exhorting them to come back, to circle back around and understanding Jesus Christ, who was from the beginning, is the one who is the light, and he pushes back darkness, and he brings his life so that we can have life. We'll pick it up where we left off last week. 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, we'll begin with verse 7. The Apostle John says this, Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new commandment, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Now, in him writing this, He's sitting down, he's saying, pull up a chair like we talked about. I need to speak into your life a little bit. There's some changes that, that need to be happening in this body of people. And he'd already stated, we looked at it a couple weeks ago, is that if you claim to know Jesus, then you must obey his commandments. That would just only seem right. Why, why would you walk the other direction? And then he said, if, if you claim to know Jesus, then you must abide or you must walk in the same way that Jesus walked. And here he begins to position to them a um, sort of a brass tacked uh, test for if they walk with Jesus and he's reminding them that what he's about to say is not something new but it's something old. The Greek word here for uh, what's related um, to th this idea of a command, all right, is the, the uh, uh, old command was given to them, but now they have a new one to go after. But the new one really is tied into the old one. And what he's reflecting on here actually goes all the way back in scriptures to the Old Testament. In the Hebrew scriptures, all the way back, to Leviticus, and in Deuteronomy. And he says this in Leviticus 19, 18. This was God. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That was stuck in the Old Testament. It was a command. But as they moved forward, they started to lose sight of that one. Now, they had another one that they carried with them, and it was, it was pretty prominent in their mind. It was based in Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. So he's about to tell them that there's something else that they need to be doing if they really know Jesus, but this is not necessarily something new. It's an old command, so it goes back thousands of years. And if you're familiar with the teachings of Jesus, when Jesus showed up on the scene, 
He had one particular argument with somebody and going, hey, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I want to know Jesus. How do you sum up the whole Bible? You know what Jesus did? He came back to these two verses. This reference says the Shema. And a Jewish person, some of you may have some Jewish friends, or maybe you have Jewish background, it would be very uh, realistic in your everyday life to proclaim the Shema. You're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. And then Jesus, he reminded them of what they forgot back in Leviticus. And he says, yes, the Shema is the greatest commandment if you're going to sum up the whole Bible. But the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you want to be a Bible scholar here today, you don't have to go take a whole ton of classes. I can just tell you right now that if Jesus was up here and he was teaching the class on scriptures and the truth of God, he would just simply say, remember these two things, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What's the common word in those two commandments? The word love. The word love. But we throw the word love around quite readily, right? Man, I love baked beans. You going to have any of those at the gathering today? No, sorry. There's going to be some other stuff there, though, if you come. Well, I just, I just love my new dog. That's great. Do you love your wife the same as the dog? I love my wife. Is it the same? Same as baked beans? Same as... No, we use the word love for all kinds of things. But the scripture and Jesus and the Christian faith teach that love is a deep, rich, abiding, selfless kind of action of entertaining the goodwill of another person that you love and that you care for them. Here's the challenge in churches today. The challenge for church, I think, is the second part, the second command. Love your neighbors yourself. You see, there's perception that Christians aren't loving people. There's perceptions that Christians are what? Judgmental. Legalistic. Just always who's in, who's out. The first thought often isn't, are they loving, caring people? And we live in a culture that's pushing back on a lot of truth from God, a lot of moral foundations. And, and many times, and, and not rightly, Christians are put in this uh, very myopic, judgmental group of people, and we need to be able to not only articulate that God is love, we have to show and demonstrate that God is love. Some of you are familiar with the word apologetics. Apologetics is not the word for apologizing for the faith. It's the word for defending the faith. And we need to give a rightful apologetic. There are skeptics. There are doubters. You may be one here this morning. How do I know God exists? How do we know that Jesus was God himself? What about the resurrection? Did that really happen? All those kinds of questions are very much legitimate. So we have apologetics that defend the faith and show the rightful uh, uh, awareness that you can rightfully have a faith in Christ and in God. But you know what the most powerful apologetic is, and I believe it's true from scriptures, maybe you've heard me say this before, the most powerful apologetic is not something of the intellect, it's something of the community. When we see people loving and caring for one another, there's a magnetism to that, this people are drawn and going, I, I, I love 
I want people to care for me. I want to be a part of a community of people that can love and support, especially when the highs and the lows of life and all that's uh, challenging in our world. And so we have the utmost responsibility to not lose the love and feeling, even if we do lose the love and feeling, it's an action and we act lovingly and caringly towards other people because of the old command, but now John says this, yet I am writing you a new command. Now, it's interesting, the uh, chronological old and new comes from the same Greek kind of word that means a qualitative kind of experience. So you're almost like, John, what's going on here? You said that uh, this old command is not something new, uh, Chiron. It's not new qualitatively. But now, in the next verse, you're saying, oh, I do have a new qualitative command relating to this whole subject of love. Which way is it? John, is it, is, it the, is it the old or is it the new? Well, he distinguishes that there's something different in this new, and the new is its truth seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. It's an old command. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. But there's something new now in this dispensation on the other side of the life of Jesus coming because this love is now no longer just some nice idealistic thought. It is now embedded in the life and the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah, lost that love and feeling. How am I going to get back, get it back? I got to get it back. I got to do some right things. Wait a second. If you are a follower of Jesus... I can tell you right now that you have one responsibility to get the love and feeling back, and that is to draw near to Jesus. As you draw near to Jesus, the darkness in your life is pushed back, and in him and then in you, you have the ability, the power, if you will, to love even unlovable people. And to love even in unlovable and difficult predicaments. And we as a church, and the mission that we're called to, whether it's here around the world, Thailand or wherever, we are called to go and love people with the love that is birthed in us from Jesus Christ. And so if you're running low in your fuel tanks on the ability to love people, and you see Jesus doing this, he would abound in ministry and caring and loving for people, but he balance the abounding with the abiding he would pull back to abide with his father because even jesus in the flesh when he came had to stay connected vitally to the god of the heavens and if you want to be a loving person then you have to have a heart filled with the love of jesus and if you're low in your tanks then you need to get fueled up and you get fueled up by taking some discipline and some action in that direction and so john is saying it's a new command. It's truth. It's seen in him, and it's in you, because the darkness is passing, and the true light is already shining. Now, one sense, I jest about that loving feeling, maybe being gone, 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 but I'm very mindful in a room 
such as this, and maybe online, someone was watching, that this is a crisis in your life right now because there's not love happening in some relationships and it needs to be found. There's also the fact that sometimes there's love that's not given to people who deeply need love and care in their life. And you're going to head out of here today on mission to be able to love other people as Christ called you to love them. And so it's our responsibility to give heed to this new command. In men's group yesterday, and we always close men's group. Sometimes we break in smaller groups. Sometimes we just gather prayer requests. And uh, there was a prayer request that came up yesterday that it struck me deeply. And uh, I have the opportunity and permission was given to be able to share this request today. But there was a young couple who uh, was living in Indiana. And some of you know that my wife and I, we come from Indiana. Seven years ago, we packed up the moving van and our vehicles and we drove here. There was a young couple with a one-year-old baby um, from South Bend, Indiana that were moving back to Temecula. And um, on their way here on Interstate 80, uh, they were tragically killed in an accident with a semi-truck. And the idea that they were coming and moving here to Temecula struck me. But then immediately my heart went to the extended family situation involved. And this morning, Max and Ada are here with us, the aunt and the uncle to whom they were moving. And my heart goes out because what do you do in those kinds of tragic situations? Life turns on a dime. Tragedy, where's our hope at? Well, our hope comes from the Father in heaven and knowing that he has, you know, eternity in his hands. But there is a need for the Christian community to love and to care. And we're honored today, Max and Ada, for you to come here and to be able to love and care for you and to be able to extend our sympathies to you and also to pray for you to be able to uphold and support not only you, but the mother and father of this couple. And I, I can't comprehend having tragedy strike in my life without being a part of a community that loves and cares for me, for my family. But yet today, not saying in this situation today, there are many people that do not have a loving community to be a part of. You and I are called to extend ourselves in that direction to be able to love and to care for people. And so when the Apostle John exhorts them here about this new command, he's sort of, he's sort of like getting in their face, going, what's going on in your church there? Are you just bickering and talking about stuff that doesn't matter or off on some winged theology that's not true at all? Or are you staying true to what Jesus said he came to do? Jesus said himself in John, this is why the Apostle John could write it. 
He said, a new command I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus said it was a new command, but they had it all the way back in the Old Testament. What was he doing? He was digging out that Leviticus thing, saying, you all spout off. I love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Thank you very much. But the second command is just as great as the first one, and that's to love your neighbors yourself because of this. They will know that you are Christians. They will know you're a part of the community of Christ. They will know that you are my disciples if you love for one another. And that love begins prominently in the body of Christ one to another. But I tell you what, I'm a Christian, and sometimes I lose that love and feeling, and I don't do very well with it. Ironically, this morning, my wife and I were able to come together because of the bands practicing, and we were both on, right? And she comes around the back way and pulls up through the road. There's a dumpster we have out back. It's not secured, and that dumpster seems to attract all kinds of junk. We keep getting rid of it every week. I put a big sign out there that says, No Trash Dumping. This is a church. It costs us money to haul away your stuff, whether it's beds or mattresses or whatever. It was all cleared out, sort of. We turned around the corner today, and there's a huge pile of garbage bags back there, right in front of the sign. And I said, thanks on the sign, even. What flares up in me in that moment Oh, I hate that. I hate people that do that kind of thing. And I turned to my wife and said, oh, shoot. I'm talking on love today. <laughs> we all wrestle with it. We're supposed to be loving. Thank you much, Pastor Carey, for reminding us to love one another. I'm going to head out to my day, but I guarantee you, you'll head out to your day, and you'll lose that love and feeling because people will grate on you, and there will be challenges, and there will be problems. But praise God, it's not up to me to just go out and try to grab a hold of it and stuff it in me. I have to dial in and come away with the Lord and say, Lord, give me that love, that action of love, to be able to care and love for all people. And Jesus knew this, and he exhorted them. And if we're not doing that as a body of Christ, then we're not upholding what he's called us to do. And we will not be attractive to the world. This challenge of love is extenuated. When people are unlovable, they do unlovable things. Or we find ourselves in an environment that's broken down and falling apart, whether it's marriage, family, church life, community life, whatever it may be. We live in a fallen, broken world. And the Lord Jesus was not unaware of that. And part of the pushback that you get in your life is not only uh, because there is sin in our world and sin in our life, but it's because you represent the life of Christ. And sometimes there is pushback because of your stance for the Lord. In Luke 6.22, these words are spoken. It says, blessed are you when people hate you when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. You are being sent out, as Scripture says, like lamb amongst wolves, and when we're in our culture, in our environment, especially such a divisive culture that we're in today, 
There's divisions on every side. There are people being pocketed in all kinds of categories. You're trying to, you know, walk a road, but yet you have a tendency to want to label too, like those terrible people that dump the trash in the back. I can't believe. Did anybody raise them right? But some of that dissonance, that brokenness, is rightful because you live in an evil, fallen, broken world. You see, the reason there's not love that abounds is because the adversary, Satan, does not want love to exist in your life, in your marriage, in your home, and he wants to bring destruction. And especially if you're going to proclaim belief in the Son of God. The Son of Man, Jesus, and there is going to be a, a hounding, if you will, at times, from culture, maybe from someone you didn't even expect, who's going to do one of these three things. They exclude you, they insult you, they reject you. What does exclude mean? Exclude means to ostracize, to be able to draw a line in the sand and say, I am here and you people are over there on the other side of the line. So you're excluding them. And that's a work of the adversary. That's why this whole labeling of people, whether it's you know, your backgrounds, your ethnicities, or uh, your political uh, interests, whatever it may be, this is the line, I am here, you people are there, I'm going to exclude you, I'm going to reject you. And sometimes that line's drawn in the sand by those who believe in the Son of Man. I'm not with you, you're over there. And so people are going to exclude you. What are you going to do in that moment? Chuck the love and feeling. You know, give them a signal, walk away. No. That's not what we're called to do. Doesn't mean we're called to cave into our beliefs, but we are called to walk with the Lord. Sometimes they insult you, they'll insult you to your face. Has somebody said something to you recently that just really struck you and hurt you? Maybe they thought they were trying to be sincere, but their insult, what they, it was demeaning to you, it was hurtful, it was just mean. They insult you. And then the, the third one there, they reject your name is, is evil. Sometimes it's sort of the backdoor, passive-aggressive thing. They don't say it to your face. They talk to a bunch of other people about you. And this is a big stew, big pot of poison that's brewed up to get you to walk away from being a loving person in Christ to a world that is desperately in need of the loving community of Christ around them. So this is the reality. John goes on then, and he says this. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. So here's that test. If you claim to, uh, uh, to know Jesus and you don't obey his commands, like, hey, a little iffy there. If you claim to know Jesus and you don't walk like Jesus walked, hey, a little iffy there. Hey, how about this test? If you claim to know Jesus and you hate your brother and your sister, you're still walking in darkness. Now, he's pretty bold with this. He's been sort of kind and nice, and he sort of circles around some of these themes over and over again, light and darkness and, 
and uh, forgiveness of sins, all that kind of thing in his letter. But here he's just confronting them point blank. Why? Because evidently something was going on in that church where there was hatred one to another. And it may not have been some haughty, ugly kind of hatred. It may just been an exclusion, may have been some insulting, may have been some rejection, some behind-the-scenes kind of stuff going on. He confronts it and says, if you claim to know Jesus and you hate your brother and sister, you're still living in the darkness now as a Christ follower we can all have hate and you have to check it like I checked driving in today it's like where's my attitude in my heart but if you live in a pattern of hatred and you have carried something for significant periods of time in your life there is reason to question if you've ever come into the light you say what are you talking about Carrie Are you saying you're doubting my salvation, that I'm a believer? Well, it's not for me to make those decisions, but I tell you what, John's saying it here, that there's reason to look at your lifestyle, and if there isn't a lifestyle of love and compassion and caring for people, including those who exclude you, who insult you and reject you, then there's there's good reason why someone might doubt if you really are walking in the light and if Jesus Christ is in your life. Verse 10, if anyone loves their brother and sister, anyone who loves their brother and sister, they live in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. This is really key here. Because you see, here's the fact of the matter. If you harbor hatred or dissension in your heart, it will cause you to stumble. And not only will it cause you to stumble, it's going to cause other people to stumble oh my goodness is that really true you betcha it's true why because the eyes of the world are watching on you if you claim to know christ and you're following with christ and yet you walk in this darkness and you have hatred and animosity maybe you're one of those people that's drawing the line and putting people on that side and i'm on this side and we're right and they're wrong they see that and when they see that it causes them to go i don't want anything to do with that stuff forget it i'm challenged continually by this with my oldest son who actually works in um, environments in the media entertainment world and is around a whole lot of different people than i am and he's continually asking me to make sure that i check my heart and is there compassion and kindness and tenderness for people that maybe don't walk some of the roads like i would like to see people walk john's saying be careful Be careful for your own life. If you carry hatred, you're not built for that. Unforgiveness, dissension, bitterness, let it go. Let it go. Because when the lights go off, you stumble and fall over all kinds of things. You want to walk in the light as He is in the light. And His grace will forgive us of the multitude of sins. So keep the lights on in your life. Make sure that there is not a hatred that grows. And make sure not just for yourself, but to keep other people from stumbling. And in our culture, in our day, the apologetic of a rich community of Christ lovers needs to be happening because we live in a very naturalistic world and they are finding that experiences are shallow and they need something that is rich and deep. Our Rooted group finished out our 10-week journey this last week. 
You're going to see some witness and testimony of it next week. But we had uh, uh, the evening, uh, a Monday evening, we went around the circle and we just spoke words of encouragement of things we saw in one another's life. A group of uh, 15 people that we didn't even know each other, three of them are virtually on means were part of our group for 10 weeks. And there was a love that grows and abounds by sharing life on the journey. And I'm thinking, people need this. People need a loving, rich community. But it doesn't happen naturally. We live in a fallen world. We have a sinful nature that pulls us towards me, me, my, my. I can't believe you did that. And we have to allow the Jesus that dwells within us to let his light live through us so that not only are we not found in the darkness, but other people can come out of the darkness and into the light themselves. He then says in verse 11, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness and they do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Have you ever found yourself in darkness? And you, I was thinking about it this week. Picture yourself a, a coal miner going down deep into the tunnels uh, uh, in the hills where coal is raked off and they have a, a little light on their helmet, Right? run by a battery pack, a little pilot kind of light, but they're way down deep. If that light didn't work, there isn't no, hey, your eyes are getting adjusted. It is dark. It's deathly black. Way down deep, far into the tunnel. Darkness. If you lived in darkness like that for extended periods of time, you would find yourself what? I'd find myself going crazy. I'd find myself depressed. I'd find myself freaking out because darkness leads you to bad places. And if we have unforgiveness in our heart, then we need to be mindful because darkness will lead us into places we will stumble and we will not know where we are going. You want to walk in the light. And so the gut check simply today is this. Is there darkness coming into your life? or maybe already in your life because there's some unresolved relationship, some lack of love that's not coming through to you to be able to extend to another person. Colossians 3 verse 12 says this, Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The Apostle Paul exhorted this. The Apostle John was exhorting it. They came from knowing what Jesus was saying. This is not something that's just a nice subject matter for a pastor to speak on on Sunday morning. This is life. Forgive extend the forgiveness forgiveness doesn't mean you have to forget it's hard for us to forget but forgiveness it said is uh, releasing someone of the debt you feel they owe you they owe me an apology they owe me respect they owe me you fill in the blank let it go because the light dwells within you forgive as the Lord has forgiven you and then over all these virtues that you're to clothe yourself with, put on love and let love stay the day. We need to be able to rise up in these days and be a great, new, rich community of lovers of people.
because we're lovers of Christ. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. What do you need to lay down? What do you need to give up to be able to love someone who's excluded you, insulted you, rejected you, or maybe to love unlovable people or to love people who have no one to love them? I almost thought when I started this series, I shouldn't call it light and life. I need to add a third word because it's just all mixed together, light and life and love. And I believe that's true because the light of Christ is about love. So I position this statement to you as we close. The light of Christ's life, living and loving through me, is putting out the darkness of hate all around me. Darkness and evil are passing away. Light and truth are reigning forever. The adversary, Satan himself, is an author of darkness and hatred and dissension, unforgiveness, divisiveness. When you get frustrated with the world, don't get frustrated with the people. Love the people. Get frustrated with the one, the engine behind it all. Satan, his workers, and the lies that they propagate in our culture. Love the people. Hate the author of darkness. And you and I will walk our way to a different day. So I simply ask, what am I to do today? I don't know. I walked up on a guy who was dumping trash one day out there. I was walking up another day on a guy who was not dumping trash, but taking a dump out there. Oh, 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 oh. I wanted to just rake him over the coals. What do you think this is? This is a church. I'm the pastor. Oh, you are. I was stern in my instruction. He knew where I stood, but I wanted to make sure I respected them for their personhood and who they were. There was one morning, there were some homeless people sitting out back. I told one of our security people up front, you need to deal with that thing in the back. I, you know, if the kids go back there, whatever. He went back there to deal with it. Well, maybe he didn't deal with it. Maybe, yeah, I decided not to have him deal with it because the way he'd deal with it probably wouldn't have been a very loving thing. Those people came to church that day and sat on the back row. What a flip going from, hey, this is a nuisance, a bother, to going, oh my gosh, they need to be a part of a loving community too. Who is it today that God's calling you to make a change and an action towards? What is your family to do this week? You can do as a family, love people. And finally, what is the body of Christ to be doing daily. We're to love. And through our love, and love isn't a feeling, it really is the action. It's the discipline to think the best of the other person. Sometimes that's tough love, and you have to say some strong, hard words to get people to realize that they need to walk in the light and not the darkness. This is not a mushy thing I'm talking about. 
We don't have time to go there today, but I'm telling you, genuine love can be felt from another person by the spirit of which you carry yourself during the day. Do you love other people? Is your family loving people? And are we as a church loving people? I want us to close by having prayer this morning. I would like to pray for the extended family of Max and Ada in this tragic loss of these family members in a car accident. I'd also like to pray for a family. This is their last Sunday. Steve, Stephen, over here. Gina, they're moving to Utah. I'd like to pray for our access ministry. You know, one of the reasons that uh, our disability inclusion ministry is, is growing around here is because of you, because you're willing to accept people no matter what their physical or mental or emotional brokenness is. Because you realize outside of Christ, we're all on the same level. We're broken. But it becomes a safe place to hear the powerful and loving and beautiful and dangerous message of Jesus Christ. And so would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Some of you need to have prayer in your own life. We have a prayer area over here to the right. There's prayer workers to be glad to take whatever burden you're carrying this morning and pray with you individually. Or maybe you're a person who's outside of Christ and you don't know what it means to have a loving relationship with others. Don't know what it means to have a love for God. But you would like to pray, maybe to receive Jesus Christ as your own leader and forgiver and savior in your life today. There's somebody that can pray with you over in the prayer area. We'd be glad to do that. But I want us to pray, and then we're going to pray for the party at our house this afternoon. I want you to come. Because it's hard to love people you don't see and hang with. And some of the whole purpose today, and we're excited about the baptisms at our house, but uh, we're just excited about hanging together post-COVID a little bit. And um, I want you to come and build community. You can't get food unless you have a name tag tonight. Okay? Just telling you. And to meet and greet some other people and get to know them. Because this church, as we move forward, the most powerful means we have to reach this valley for Christ and reach our world is by the love we have for one another. And that love is expressed. So with those things in mind, we just lift your hands to the Lord and let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for loving us so much that you sent your one and only Son. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we reach out to you this morning to ask for your love to be born afresh and anew in our heart and life so that we do not walk in darkness, that we do not cause people to stumble, but that we live with a light that's energized through your presence within us and we extend that to others so that they may be drawn into relationship with you, but that they may receive love themselves and be found by your grace, God, in a rich community of people who love and care. We're not perfect by any means, Lord, but you are perfect. And so we turn to your light and your life 
and your love within us to love others. Bless us as a body. Lord, even tonight as we gather this evening in just a few hours, may that love abound richly. May we care, get to know one another. Lord, may we extend ourselves with helping hands one to another. Lord, we thank you for the couple who's providing for the food tonight, the chef and the cook that's doing all that. Lord, we just, we just thank you so much, God, for being found in a community that cares. And Lord, we just pray your protection over that community, and we pray our community would be a powerful apologetic to a lost world because so many people need to belong before they ever believe. And Lord, we pray here this morning for the tragedy that happened just two days ago, Lord, in the loss of a young couple and their baby. And Lord, for the aunt and uncle who are here today and the extended family that are in this valley, we pray your love and protection over their life so easy to go to dark places during times such as this but lord may you pick them up as on eagle's wings may you help them know your presence and your strength and your power and your love in the midst of this time of deep grief and brokenness and such a tragic turn of events we thank you god for the hope that we have in you lord we pray for steve and stephen and Gina, and as they transport their lives to Utah, we send them out as missionaries to that new place. Lord, to think that they were still serving as greeters here Sunday morning of their last day, out front, God just bless them. Lord, for Stephen and his special needs and just the love that he gives, give him a double portion of your blessing as he goes and helps help build them community, rich community there, Lord, in Utah. And Lord, for our access ministry, Lord, may we be a shining beacon on a hill. Lord, may we be able to reach into families' lives this very moment that don't have a safe place to belong, a safe place to feel love, a safe place for their kids to grow in the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of you, Jesus. Help us to, to raise up a, an army of volunteers to be able to do the inclusion ministry, Lord, where we're able to sit along someone during uh, a youth group or some other class time, whatever it may be, just simple things. God, raise us up as an army of people who can love brokenness, not just with access type of individuals, Lord, but the brokenness of people that are far from you today. Satan, you have no rights in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to thwart the purpose and the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of the people that stand here today as they move forward into their hours and days to love on others. You are bound from your destructive work because you are a defeated foe. Lord, we love you. May your blessing abide. Bring us back together this evening. And God's people said, amen. Thanks for being here. We will see you at five, or I guess next week, but I'd really like to see you at five.